You're listening to a message from Maranatha Church of Jacksonville. For more information, please visit our website, maranathajax.com. Hello, Maranatha. Welcome back to another podcast. This is Pastor Kevin. We are continuing our series in 1 John. So we are in 1 John chapter 4, and we are looking at true and false Christians. And so in this first uh, six verses in chapter 4, 1 through 6, John, the apostle, the writer here, mentions about these false prophets, these false people who are trying to teach them wrong things. And so he's saying how we can know, how they can know who false teachers are, false prophets, by using the discernment of the Spirit. So verses 1 through 6, John is going to get at that. And then verses 7 through the end of chapter 4, verse 21, you will see John talk about love once again. And so we've seen this message of love a lot in John, in his writings. We see that a lot in 1 John 3, about loving one another. So he gets at that message again about loving one another. So let's jump into 1 John chapter 4. So he first starts out by saying, dear friends, it's kind of a way that he starts a new, kind of a new subject. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. So he's getting at this message again about the Antichrist spirit that we see in 1 John 2 when he talked about this. And so he's getting at that same message again. Remember, he's talking to a church of believers, a group of believers at the time that had false teachers come in there and try to, um, you know, misquote Jesus or Um, just kind of twist the teachings around. And so he's saying, watch out for them. If they say that uh, Jesus didn't come in the flesh, then they're false prophets because Jesus did, in fact, come in the flesh. And if they do say that, then, okay, they're on the right track. They have the Spirit of God. And so he's really dealing with this idea of spiritual discernment. And what is spiritual discernment? Well, spiritual discernment is the ability to judge whether or not a person is operating by the Holy Spirit or an evil spirit. So it's very important as believers to have this spiritual discernment, to know when you hear teachings, when you hear people talk, whether or not they're being, you know, they're operating out of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus, or if they're operating out of an antichrist spirit, something opposite of Jesus. And so Paul gets at this as well, um, talking about testing the spirits. He, he talks about that in First Thessalonians 5, 19 and 22, and 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Then he also talks about this idea of having spiritual discernment in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 5. And so Paul has the same message about spiritual discernment. And so um, believers, we we need to have uh, this spiritual discernment because we, we can't get swayed by wrong teachings. Um, we need to know God's word, know what God's word uh, says. So it's very important that we have spiritual discernment. We have a knowledge of God's word and understanding so we can Um, combat things that come our way. So then continuing in this same section, he says, but you, 
Believers belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. So if someone has the spirit of truth, they listen to God's word. They listen to sound doctrine, sound teachings. But if they don't, then um, they're probably operating in a, in a wrong spirit or uh, they're being deceived. And so, um, you know, Jesus is encouraging um, us in John 16. He encouraged the apostle John, uh, the, the disciple, with these kind of the same idea of victory in this world. You know, he talks about that in John 16, 33, you know, take heart. You know, there's going to be troubles in this world, but take heart. I have overcome the world. There's victory. And so John's relaying that same message. You have already won a victory over the spirit of, spirit of deception. And so remember, Jesus uh, faced this spirit, spirit of deception um, at the end of his life when there was uh, this operating spirit that was an anti-Christ spirit, literally. I mean, they're anti, they were against Christ uh, and they crucified him. And so he's facing this anti-Christ spirit. And he's saying, look, I overcame that. I have defeated that. And so we don't have to operate in that. And if you see it, we are victorious over it. We don't have to fear it. We don't have to be afraid of it. We can operate with victory by the cross of Jesus that he has given us, his believers. So how do we know um, somebody operating in, in a wrong spirit? How do we know if someone's heart is full of truth or deception? Well, if someone's heart is full of, of truth, they'll be speaking God's truth. If somebody's heart is full of deception, they will be speaking something not God's words. That's why it's very important for us as believers to know God's word. In uh, Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, uh, the mouth speaks. And so if you really want to know what's in somebody's heart, then listen to what they say. If it's God's word in their heart, then it'll come out. And if it's not, it'll come out. And so that's that section there, uh, 1 John 4, 1 through 6, about uh, discernment, about discerning false um, prophets. Then he gets at loving one another. And here's the the match uh, the the metric of of how to measure true Christians is is love, and so here he goes again with this message. John, the beloved one, the one whom Jesus loved, he uh, gets at this message of love um, many many times. And remember, John is an elder; he's a very very old man here, and so this is his last message about um, discernment, using discernment, and having love. So he starts in verse seven, dear friends. Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So this is the first time that we really see this, this phrase, God is love. And if you've been a believer for a long time, you've read the word, that phrase would sound very familiar to us. God is love. But this is such a a really a revolutionary statement because no other religion can make this claim. No other religion can say that their God is love. This phrase speaks of the Trinity because of how God, um, how can God be loved by himself? He has to have somebody to love. So if God is in fact love, um, he he's the, it's the three persons in one. He is love because he is God in three persons. Before the world began, God was in perfect love with the Father, Son, and Spirit. So that's how we can say that God is 
love. And so um, then verse 9 and 10, it says that God showed how much he loved us. He showed it. How? By sending his son to the cross. Uh, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So once again, that that phrase, that sentence sounds a lot like John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16 that this love has this action, it's sacrificial. And we see that the cross was the greatest act of, of love that humanity has ever seen. And so when humanity sees the cross of Christ, this, this love of God, uh, we either accept it or deny it. And so in verse 11, John says again, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. So love is a sign of a true believer. Love shows the world a picture of this invisible God. And so God shows us the example of how to love others sacrificially. We see that in John 13 when he's uh, sacrificing, being a, being a servant to his disciples. We see it throughout the gospel. We see it uh, obviously at the cross, the sacrifice that he made on the cross. And so John is saying, look, if Jesus can do that, what an example he gave us, let's do the same thing. Let's be sacrificial with the way that we treat each other in love. And so that's a sign of a true believer is by somebody loving. So then in verse 13, God has given us his, his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. So Christians should be known for their love. And when we do love and when we collectively love each other as the body of Christ, what a perfect uh, example and picture that that gives to the world of this invisible God. Verse 14, furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. So we see that again here in verse 16, this phrase, God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. And so God is love. And, and when we spend time with God, we spend time in love. We spend time with love, listening to the voice of love, we are around him, we're around love, then we can't help but grow in that the more we spend time with God. That's why uh, it's very important to, to do that, to spend time in the presence of the Lord because it is activating that love inside of you. It's activating it and it's actually growing. Your love can, in fact, grow and your love can can grow cold as well, where it's diminishing because we may spend way more time doing other things and putting our affections on other things rather than putting our full attention and affection on God, on the love of God. And so he's saying, look, your love can grow so that when the day of judgment comes, you won't be, uh, you won't shrink back and be afraid because you're like, oh my goodness, I haven't spent time with with love. But you can actually have confidence because you've been living like Jesus uh, this whole time. Then verse eighteen says, "Such love has no such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear." 
we are afraid, it is for the fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Fear has to do with punishment. If we are in God's love, we will not fear his punishment. Those who don't live in God's love fear his punishment because God, God's wrath is still on them. John 3, 36 talks about that, the wrath of, of God being on people still. And so if we spend time in the love of God, we've been forgiven of our sins. We, we are, are with the Father. We don't have fear of, of anything. We don't have fear of false teachers, false pro- antichrist spirits. We don't have fear of, of the wrath of God because we have been, we're, we're in God's love. And so we are longing for that day to come the great day of the Lord. It's a great day. It's a, it says it's the great and terrible day of the Lord. It's it's great for us as believers who are basking in God's love and waiting for him to return as, as the, the groom, waiting for his, the bride is waiting for the groom. Um, but it's a terrible day for those who have not been in God's love. And they're walking around right now with a fear. And there's a lot of people with fear and they're walking around with that and, and you can see it. They might not admit that they're scared and afraid and, and, and full of fear. Um, but if they're not spending time in God's, they don't know the love of God, then they have to be afraid. They have to have fear, even if they don't even know what that that's what that is inside of them. And so maybe that's a great uh, a message for us as believers that we can talk to people about that and ask them, you know, are you are you afraid? Do you feel fear? And to an unbeliever, that question, um, that might be a good question for them. And they might not even realize that's what that is. But um, that could actually be a great way to interact and talk with unbelievers and, and not in a, in a way of, of, you know, casting fear upon them. Um, but just simply asking out of compassion, out of a, a loving heart that we have for them hey, do you feel afraid about anything? Do you feel fearful? Because we live in a world that can be very fearful and be very scary. And if, if especially if you don't have Christ, I mean, how, how much scarier is this world without Christ? I mean, can you imagine, if, if you're a believer, can you imagine that? Can you imagine not having Christ to be that anchor? You know, he says it, that he's an anchor, a hope uh, anchor for our souls. I mean, we're, uh, with Christ, we're so uh, solid. There's a foundation that we have that nothing can shake us. We have a there's a kingdom that we have that cannot be shaken. We're a part of an unshakable kingdom, and so there's nothing to be afraid of. We're we're living in that. But people who aren't don't know anything other than fear. So, with God, in His perfect love, He casts out all fear. So if you're feeling any of that. Uh, fear, then spend time in God's love and he'll cast it out of you so that you don't have to feel that fear. Then in verse 19, he says, we love each other because he loved us first. And God loved us first. Think about that. He's loved us since the very beginning, before we were born. He's loved us. That's a very reassuring statement. (laughs) He loved us first. It comes from him. Then to close this out here, verse 20 and 21, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. So there's that message again of loving God and loving others. It's the same message that Jesus got got at with his disciples. Hey, the greatest commandment, love God. Second, love others. And so 
Man, connecting with God's love, I think we can meditate on, on John 15, the writings of John, where he talks about this, about staying connected to the vine, being in fellowship with Christ, with love himself, being connected to that. So I think we need to return again and again and again to John 15, where it talks about that. And I want to read John 15, just one verse uh, or two, uh, 15, 9, where he says, uh, Jesus says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. That's that's John 15, 9. I have loved you even as the Father has, has loved me. Remain in my love. Remain in his love. What a simple message and a, and a needed message that we we need to be uh, taught again and again, reminded again to re- remain. We need to be reminded to remain in God's love. Hey, have you been remaining in God's love or are you drifting off and getting afraid of things that are happening in the world? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I have a simple, easy solution to that. Go back into God's love and sit there for, for a little while. No greater place than to just be in the presence of God and the presence of love. So to summarize 1 John chapter 4, uh, remember, this is uh, a chapter where John is, is warning believers that there are wolves in sheep's clothing. There's false prophets, false teachers. Now, we should have the discernment of the Spirit to know who are true believers and who are false And then John continues also this message about loving God and loving others. This is our highest calling and purpose in life. This is the final message from an elder in the faith. So we should be paying attention to this message about love and act this love out to show a world the love of God. So once again, another message about love. I hope we we get it and I hope that we don't just understand it, but we're actually doing it. And so let's pray for that. Lord, we thank you for your love. Thank you that you love us, care for us. Thank you that you've loved us since the beginning. Help us to love one another. Fill us with the the power of your love that we may uh, love uh, this world and that they would come to know you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.